0: The traffic Podcast with Mariana Van Zeller is intended for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Amazing posing, incredible stamina, but how do you feel? Do you feel flat? Do you feel full? People who use steroids and performance-enhancing substances usually do so behind closed doors. But I managed to get through that door. This season, on the Trafficked TV show on National Geographic, I followed a young bodybuilder named Zach to a big competition in Las Vegas. And he invited his supplier to come with him. experiment to see how much we can fill you out with some more advanced chemistry before the finals, then that's what we can do right now. This was all part of my investigation into the black market for performance-enhancing drugs. I don't think I was ready for just how intense it could be. So between qualifying rounds, I watched Zach essentially take his supplier back to his Airbnb, where the supplier opened a huge duffel bag with a pharmacy supply of illegal PEDs, performance-enhancing drugs. And one after another, I saw him injecting them into Zach's body. Okay, I'm going to put the insulin in last. So first I'm putting IGF-DAS, 200 micrograms. what the heck, 250 micrograms. Zach didn't end up advancing, but the craziest thing was their takeaway from the experience. He should have taken more drugs. Yeah, that definitely worked, that whole thing. Bodybuilding is a sport, and it's also art. And the drugs and the steroids give us a bigger paintbrush and more colors to choose from. That's exactly right, that's exactly right. (laughs) Just like I saw with Zach, athletes at every level are tempted by the allure of lifting more running faster, hitting harder. And if my time reporting on black markets has taught me anything, it's that when there's a demand, there's always, always a supplier. From National Geographic and Muck Media, this is the Traffic Podcast. I'm Mariana Van Zeller. Each week, we bring you the story of one person who made it big in the black market, and how it all came crashing down. Not too long ago, Major League Baseball and all its fans were shocked, or at least acted like it, when Tony Bosch's major steroid supply operation hit headlines. Today on the podcast, his story.
1: You know, at a party, you play musical chairs and all the kids are involved. And so, you know, we, we were at this party, you know, called Pindy Testosterone on the Dot. No, I'm really kidding. <laughs> so, no, we were at this party and everybody was involved. The executives, the team owners, the players, the agents, their handlers, me, the chemists, the, everybody is playing musical chairs. And I went round and round and round. <laughs> Everybody's happy until oh, the music stops. <laughs> when the music stopped, I was left without a chair and bam, that was it, End of story. In
0: 2013, 14 professional baseball players were suspended by Major League Baseball for using steroids. At the center of it all was Tony Bosch. Tony Bosch treated hundreds of athletes and non-athletes alike out of Biogenesis of America, his anti-aging clinic in South Florida, some say he falsely represented himself as a licensed medical doctor, which he was not. He was, however, a very successful businessman working in an illegal market You're a huge baseball fan from all that I've read and heard about you. Yes um, why? and how, was that? how is that a big how has that been a big part of your life?
1: I loved everything about it. Um, I loved, you know I, I, I loved. Being on the field, uh, I love the smell of the fresh cut grass, you know the the glove, the leather glove. i I love the sound of the bat hitting the ball. Uh, i love I love the competitive the competitiveness of it. Um, I love that it's not only a physical sport but it's a mental sport.
0: When was the first time that you learned about steroids or heard about it?
1: You know, we were really into nutrition, right? And so so I have my 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 tuna and my rice or whatever. And the guy next to me, uh, you know, is eating his tuna and his rice. Everybody was eating tuna and rice. You know, it's one of those things, right? So, and he goes, oh, shoot, I forgot. Hold on. And he puts his plate down. He pulls out an injection. Whoa. And lowers his shorts and underpants and boom. Injects.
0: Wow! Did you know what it was at the time?
1: No, I mean, listen, I knew it wasn't, you know, part of the part of the nutrition. <laughs> I it wasn't have, part of no, the rice and tuna bowl. <laughs> no, I wasn't part of the tuna and rice bowl.
0: How old were you at the time?
1: I want to say probably about 15, 16 years old. Fifteen years old.
0: I want to mention that there are all sorts of added concerns that scientists have raised when it comes to teens using steroids. Risks to hormone regulation and cognitive function, even later in life. But my reporting has shown me just how tempting it can be for underage kids to use steroids, especially young athletes.
1: That was a memorable moment for me because, you know, it was very impactful. It's like, what the hell is that? And why are you doing that? And why am I not doing that? And why are you getting bigger and why am i not getting bigger you know and i've always been a risk taker you know you're born with that right uh i didn't get it right then and there but shortly after i sure as hell added that to my after workout uh regimen if you will and it was it was great it was terrific it worked and now i started gaining weight you know now i started looking good um, do
0: you do you remember the first time you hit a baseball after taking steroids? What was that like?
1: Yeah, I remember. My game improved dramatically. You know, the crack of the bat with the ball when it hit when the ball hits a bat is totally different. It's just like it flies off your bat.
0: Really? You
1: know? Yeah, it flies off your bat.
0: So w- when you suddenly changed this much and started playing this well, was your coach? Did he have any questions? Were people asking you what what the hell happened? Have you?
1: The coach didn't want to know. He didn't really care. He just wanted you to perform. He knew what was going on. They all know what's going on. Half these coaches are doing, the, doing, doing it themselves.
0: Tony's game did improve, but not enough to get any looks from professional scouts. So he shifted his focus. He graduated from a medical school in Belize. After school, Tony moved to El Paso, Texas, and that's where he started working in the health business at a company called NutriDoc.
1: I opened up a weight loss center in Texas, uh, but it was light. It was weight loss. It was like a little you know, Jenny Craig right uh, type of deal. You know, very little, very you know, very little drugs. Maybe a, f- maybe some supplements. Maybe some appetite suppressants. But um, it, and things were going well. But um,
0: and that was just for regular people. I could go into that.
1: Yeah, exactly. Re- regular people, just regular people.
0: Okay, so who who was your first athlete then? That's
1: true. Ah, first. that's a good uh-huh. question. <laughs> so. I remember doing a favor for, for for a friend of mine, an acquaintance of mine. He calls me up and he says, uh, I have this, this, this athlete, uh, you know, he has to pass a drug test. He failed the first drug test. Can you help me? And I remember thinking to myself, well, what, what you know, why the hell are you calling me? Well, you're the only one I know that has access to the, to the chemistry lab. Uh, <laughs> you're the only one that, that, that knows anything about this, um, uh, and it's late at night, I don't know who else to call, or whatever. So, you know, first thing I'm I'm thinking to myself, I don't know, pump him up with a shitload of diuretics and see what happens, right? It, interestingly enough. And right? it worked. And miraculously it worked. And it was the beginning of a great career until until I got caught. <laughs>
0: No. Until you got caught. Okay, but before he got caught, Tony moved back to Miami and started what he calls a functional medicine clinic called Biochem. He says he had all sorts of patients.
1: Well, no, we'll, we'll go, no, clients. Patients are sick. people. Clients. These are. <laughs> okay, sorry. Pa- patient belongs in a hospital. <laughs> let's
0: get this straight. Listen, let's get, let's get this shit straight. People.
1: Come on, now, Mariana. You know very well I had a lot of law enforcement clients, right?
0: I want to ask you about that.
1: And so watch. Imagine this. This was my office on a good day. Okay. I had a federal judge sitting there. I had uh uh you know a, a DEA agent sitting there, and I had a trainer, and then I had an, a professional athlete sitting there, all in the same offices, all talking about their protocols, everything. So that's Wait, what, what I'm mean saying. What
0: were they all doing there? What were they there for?
1: For performance. For, you know, for performance, for functional medicine, for whatever you want to call it. But that's what they were there for. What did you want, what did you want me to say? They were all there because they wanted to be the best version of themselves. Because maybe their jobs, their jobs required it.
0: Were these legal substances? All of those at were that, legal? At that
1: time, a lot of them yep. were legal. In this case, yes.
0: I don't buy it. So let's try that question one more time. All these people that are coming to you, are they all just getting legal substances or, is, or are some le- they, legal uh, substances in there as well?
1: Le- legal. You define legal by either FDA approved or, or not FDA approved, right? Great. Correct. They were, the, so, it was a mixture.
0: So some of it was not. Did they know that they were not FDA approved?
1: Absolutely. They didn't care. They just cared what it did for them.
0: So how does something get FDA approved? Rigorous clinical trials. Some of the performance-enhancing drugs that athletes take, and Tony sold, are designer drugs that don't go through FDA approval at all. And even if specific drugs are tested and FDA approved, they're not approved for the kind of use we're talking about here, performance enhancement. So do you think that those people, I'm just imagining them sitting in the waiting room, everybody knew what they were there for. I mean, they well, of all course they each do. other knowing we're here. Of and they all course. knew that what they were doing was wrong.
1: No, they thought it was right. That's the beauty about it. That's a great area. You know, the I don't know where, where, where you're at or, or you've seen, you know, the firefighters, they have a calendar. You know, yep, like male absolutely. firefighter, mm-hmm. calendar, right? And the females of do course. too, you know. Mm-hmm. And the female firefighters do too. Oh, that that was great. That that was because they would all come to me and, and then... It, you know, we would do the whole calendar. And,
0: Wait, and, before and, calendar time, they would come to you? Too? Absolutely. So they look good for the photos?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> it's incredible. Remember when you were the prettiest, the sexiest, right. the smartest, yeah. at the top of your game, when you were the happiest? If I could give right. you all that back, all at the same time, for $800 a month, would you take it?
0: It turns out that a lot of people did. All sorts of people, in fact. But the ones that got him famous were famous themselves. Tell me about Manny Ramirez and, and the start of your pro-ball life.
1: I get a call. i never forget this. I'm in Vegas at, Ra- at the Raw restaurant, uh, uh, sushi restaurant. And I get, I get, I get a call, a persistent call from a number I didn't know. And... Uh, Finally, I excuse myself. said, let, let me get this call. They're not gonna stop calling. Boom. So I pick up a call, and it's actually a a, a, a friend of mine that I know, um, who's uh who's an agent. Uh, he says, listen, uh, I have an issue here. You know, he's coming up. He's coming up for his uh, free agency year.
0: He he was you mean?
1: Manny, hey, Manny Ramirez? Ramirez, right?
0: Manny Ramirez is considered one of the best hitters of his generation. He's one of only 27 players to hit 500 career home runs. Tony says he got a call from this agent, who, by the way, has denied any connection to Tony. He wanted to talk about, guess who, Manny.
1: And he can't even pick up a bat. You know, he's always tired, he's not himself. Can you take a look at the blood work and, and, and tell me what's up? And I said, sure, go ahead and send me the blood work. I'm, I'm in Vegas. So the next day, obviously, he called me and he says, when can you meet? I arrived one morning and by the afternoon, I was already meeting with Manny Ramirez.
0: This was a big break for Tony and his business. So he was going for it. And when he met Manny, he gave him his traditional pitch.
1: Okay, here are my rules. It's only me and and whoever I bring to the table. I don't work under anybody else. It's my people. Uh, We work on my time um you do exactly as I say if you don't I'm out all right um I get paid this much uh the initial is X amount I don't you know once I put a, a needle in your arm the clock starts and this is how much I need this is what I gotta get paid this is how I get paid it has to be wow. brought by this individual
0: so you gave him you gave him your spiel and what did he say
1: and he said okay great. I went back to Miami and then the following that 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 day, what I'm not sure if it was his agent or somebody else came with a a bag full of money.
0: <laughs> Tony's pitch also included how not to get caught.
1: I said, I will contact you. I would ask you how you feel. You're going to give me a number from one to five. One is your great grandmother. Five is Superman, you know, and so on and so forth. So there's no, and, and so I, I would go through this whole thing with him.
0: And also there were code names for the substances as well, I'm assuming. So you wouldn't actually use testosterone and illegal substances as names.
1: I would usually use, you know, if, if for, the, for the whole thing, I would use, uh, the, you know, protocol. Hey, how's the protocol going? Right. You know, everything.
0: By the way. Manny Ramirez did end up testing positive in 2009. Tony says that's because Manny didn't follow his protocols.
1: And, and there's a reason, another reason why I never re- really, it was hard to catch me. There was many reasons why it was hard to catch me, but this was but, well, one of the reasons. If you were to come to me as an agent, as a ball player in the middle of the season, we weren't starting right there. We were starting at the end of the season. And we had that gap that whole off season, we did all the work. That's when all the all the uh, blood was drawn. That's when when. Um we would create the substance with the right dosage, administer it a certain way, redraw the blood, looking how it metabolized.
0: Tony says he started working with lots of baseball players, and
1: business was booming. There's steroids, obviously. testosterone and estrogen being two sets. There's, there's steroids, also right? peptides, there's also hormones, there's enzymes, and there's coenzymes. And there's even triaminos and, and, and tripeptides.
0: I think the biggest question that everybody has is how did they not get... How? Because
1: because back then it was so it was so elementary. The the testing was so elementary, and I think I think they wanted it like that. They wanted it elementary.
0: Why didn't they want the test to be better?
1: Can you imagine if Braun, A. Rod, Manny Ramirez, you know Machado, everybody pissed dirty at the same time? It's almost like if you're on Broadway and you have all these actors and everybody's sick at the same time. What kind of what show are you going to put on? You can't put on any show. Right. Yeah, you, you understand. So right. they're not going to run that risk.
0: So Tony, wait. I'm just trying to get in your head. There wasn't. So there was never a moment that you thought to yourself, uh, you know, I'm I'm giving uh, all these this 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 cocktail to all these guys, and there was never a moment that you thought, Am I? is it at all possible that this is harming them i know that the intention that you've mentioned several times was to help them become better athletes and obviously you were getting very well paid for it as well but did it ever was was there ever a moment that you thought that you had doubts about whether this could be actually harmful
1: if i ever had doubts i never did it everything that i did i was without doubts what people think in their mind is me in a corner you know, injecting these people and, and creating these cocktails like a mad scientist, you know, and, and putting this and let's see what happens. No, this was the business of medicine, of performance medicine.
0: But Tony wasn't a licensed physician. And doctors I've spoken to warn against the unregulated distribution and use of anabolic steroids. They list serious medical consequences, including kidney, liver, and heart damage. Tony did, however, present himself as someone who could administer these drugs safely. In my mind, the way I see you back then is, is more, um, I was trying to think of this before, but it was more like a, a, a Willy Wonka in his big factory.
1: The Candyman, because a man, Candyman can. No, it, there, this was a professional organization, intentional backed up by a lot of money, by investors, by the, the best substances, drugs you can find, compounded by the best pharmacist. Now, there was exception to that rule where there's always going to be a glitch at some point in time because at some point in time, it's a commodity. You're going to run out of meat. You're going to run out of testosterone. Uh-huh. Okay. In my business, because there was so much money involved and it was so, the, the precision of, of, of everything was so important. There was times that we had to go to the black market to acquire some substances.
0: The black market for steroids is much bigger than I expected. During my reporting for the Traffic TV show, we found that illegal substances were being shipped usually from overseas, but we also filmed really close to home. In an underground lab where people were making these illegal substances and were testing them on themselves.
1: Whoever had the raw material, it could have been a chemist, it could have been a biochemist. And of course, all black market. And if it wasn't black market per se, it was all done il- illegally, uh, under, the, under the radar, if you will. And, and, and we had to do whatever we had to do, <laughs> you know, uh, get, in order to get, to get it done. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: The history of performance-enhancing drugs in baseball doesn't start with Tony Bosch. It goes back to a pitcher named Pud Galvin in 1889. Babe Ruth tried to inject himself with extract from sheep testicles. But what's become known as the steroids era in baseball was in the 90s and early 2000s, when Mark McGuire, Sammy Sosa, and Barry Bonds were all chasing and setting home run records before all three were connected to steroids. By 2010, Tony's business was at its peak, with over 300 athletes in his client book. But Tony wasn't just treating baseball players— his client list included pro boxers, basketball players, tennis players.
1: It was players everywhere. And you know, and you haven't asked me where that money went, but that money was to pay off. Everybody was in on it. I had to pay off the agents. I had to pay off the handlers. I had to pay off you know, the pharmacists. I had to pay off everything. Yeah. So yeah, there was a major, major network.
0: Were people actually trying to hide that this was happening?
1: No, it, it was out in the open.
0: So at your peak, how much money Ugh. were you making?
1: A lot. will leave it at that. A lot.
0: But a lot, a lot. <laughs> Are we talking hundreds of thousands, millions? Tell me.
1: I don't know. Probably about $600,000, six fifty dollars a year as, as my salary. And then, and then I had the ballplayers. That had nothing to do with the ballplayers. And that was all cash. The business was, was making a lot of money, yes. Millions, yes.
0: So millions, you you made millions out of this.
1: Out of your the company made millions. No. Remember the and IRS we're... is listening. Shush. <laughs> I get it.
0: Where were you where were you spending <laughs> that money?
1: Oh my god, I had a great time. I had a terrific time. <laughs> oh boy. Imagine. I had homes, I had condos, I had boats, I had cars. I had women, I had drugs, I had alcohol, uh, you know, wheels up whenever the hell I wanted and so on and so forth. And it was great, it was great. You know, I would think to myself at times, you know, when I lay my, hand, my head to sleep and, and I wasn't like buffed up, you know what I mean? I could still think, <laughs> it was a few nights like that. And so I would say, damn, <laughs> I designed my own life. And I really, I thought it was the greatest thing in the world. You know, and, you know, it's like I created my own career path.
0: <laughs> so when you were at your peak, your high life, living the good life, as you said before, what was one of the craziest things you, you you had to do?
1: I've been known to do things that I need to do to get whatever I need done at that time. There was a time where we needed to draw blood. It, we were using a new substance and I wanted to see how it would metabolize and, um, and so we need to draw blood at a certain time uh, with, with A-Rod.
0: Alex Rodriguez, a.k.a. A-Rod, is one of the most famous players around. And A-Rod, being A-Rod, he was traveling all the time, which made it hard for Tony to draw blood at the exact time he needed to. So on this particular day, Tony went directly to A-Rod's house.
1: And the guy's not there. And I help me. Where is Alex? So I'm texting, texting, texting. He says, hey, I'm at the Fountain Blue. Um, I'm having dinner, and then I'm going to go to live and all this shit. And so he says, okay, but don't come. You can't come to the table. I was livid. I was going to go straight to the table. I was going to do it <laughs> at the table. I said, well, then meet me at the bathroom. I don't know what the hell to tell you. you know. So there I am in the damn bathroom of this restaurant inside the Fountain Blue. And... Um, you know, I'm texting all this time, right? Uh, and I say, okay, I'm going to go into the stall. You then go into the stall. I'm on the right stall. And, you know, I'm having all this communication with him. So he excuses himself. He goes into the stall. I draw his blood. Um, the right there in the stall. Okay. Which was, I I, I was actually impressed with myself because I couldn't say shit, but I hit it right on the nose. (laughs) Anyway. I one felt, of those I dimly felt.
0: lit, one of those dimly. Yeah, lit I felt got
1: very restaurant. dimly. Yeah. yeah. Everything yeah. In, yeah. everything Spensive. in Miami is dimly, dimly lit, by the way. Point is, I drew the blood, I was so happy. And I was with his I never forget I was with his cousin, Yuri, at that time, right? And I said, listen, this is very stressful. This is not worth it. I'm in a stall and my knees drawing blood on a guy sitting on a toilet. I mean, go, picture that. And so I got, you know, I don't get paid enough for this shit. Fine. So finally, I got a text. Hey, I'm at Live I got a great table. You know, he's like trying to make up now for his off couple, you know? And I said, okay, the hell with it. It was uh, some, some rapper's birthday. And I said, all right, I'll go. There's going to be a good time. Let's see what happens. Bam. And I go. And, but I keep the blood with me. And, you know, so Wait, I get you're there. Going around
0: you're going around this whole time with A-Rod's blood
1: with you? <laughs> with A-Rod's blood, yes, with <laughs> A-Rod's blood. And so, <laughs> so I said, I'll keep the blood with me. And uh, I'll have a couple of drinks. Let's see what happens. If it gets really crazy, I'll just give the blood to Yuri. Yuri could go back to the clinic, spin it, do whatever the hell he wants to do with it. And I'll stick around. Whatever. The lights, they shine the lights on me. On, on, on on Alex and on the other guy, on the rapper, boom! Everybody's jamming, dancing. Some chick grabs me by the hand. I'm jamming with her. I, before I know it, there's no more blood, and so blood is gone. <laughs> Where the no. hell is the blood? And everybody's jumping up and down. I live at a table, the bottle service, the girls, the, the sparkle, whatever. I'm on the ground on my hands and knees looking for a vial of blood. So you're kidding? Um, no, I'm not kidding. you. <laughs> then i got panicked so i had yuri on the ground and then and then uh, I, Al, alex said what's going on and so yeah, I, I had him on the ground everybody was on the freaking ground looking for the Wait. goddamn bottle of blood we finally found A-Rod it. erod was yeah. on the yeah.
0: ground as well trying to find
1: yes him. yes he was and, on the ground as well trying find it? to find yeah we found it <laughs> thank god we found it was so, he mad i'm the one that was supposed to be mad uh, yes i was mad i was mad he was mad everybody was angry and so I grabbed the violin, I said, "The hell with this shit, and I left the, the venue.
0: Not long after, things seemed to start to fall apart for Tony. When, when did you realize that you were, that things were getting ugly, that you might actually get caught here?
1: I got a call in November by, by Alex. And he called me, he says, Hey um... I had a reporter calling me from, uh, I think it was ESPN, or Sports Illustrated, says, I have somebody call me and he says to me, they're going to write an article. And I said, okay, is it a good or a bad one? Me being ignorant, right? That was a stupid-ass question. Anything that has both of our names on it is not going to be good. You know, he laughed, chuckled. He says, listen, I'm going to try to kill this story and I'll call you right back. And so that was the first inkling, number one. Number two... I had a friend of mine that a physician friend of mine that basically said, "Hey, I had an ESPN reporter come by my office, you know, and that." It, but it was back to back to back. And then shortly after that, I started seeing things missing in my office. I started seeing like, like I sh- I, I I'm sure I left, uh, you know, paperwork here. Where's the paperwork? And I sh- I'm I'm sure that I left a bag here, a, a backpack with 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 some things where's the backpack and and right. and, and they, they started, so finally I I realized that somebody was taking my shit
0: that someone was a man by the name of Porter Fisher who had access to Tony's office and was leaking information and documents to the Miami New Times
1: they like to call it whistleblower I call it a rat but it didn't help that I had a rat inside my my business this whole time
0: sure enough The Miami New Times article published on January 31st, 2013. And in it were the names of Tony's most high-profile clients. The buzz that this caused in the sports world was loud. When the story is printed, tell me about that day when you found out.
1: It's like when you're on a boat and a tsunami's coming, what are you gonna do? (laughs) So I popped open up a bottle, (laughs) put on my life jacket, (laughs) and waited for the tidal waves. And called it a day. And, you know, I figured I'll pick up the pieces. Let me see if I'm alive after this one. And so that was the attitude. And then all hell broke loose, uh, obviously, after that.
0: Soon after the article about Tony's illegal operation came out, Major League Baseball figured out a way to get their hands on the Biogenesis records. Tony says A-Rod starts getting very nervous about what will come of the information they contain.
1: Alex and I distant ourselves uh, because it was happening to both of us right and so this is where the mistrust came in and you know out of sight out of mind type of deal and it's like who do who do you trust you know and he started getting paranoid about everything and he started getting paranoid about me well how about if you know how about if Tony talks he gets paranoid so he starts with the threats
0: A-Rod has denied making any sorts of threats but Rob Manfred, who at the time was the COO of the MLB, also reported that an associate of Arod was threatening Tony's life.
1: So then I started uh, moving from, you know, from one one house to another. So
0: you're moving from safe house to safe house, essentially.
1: Oh boy, I was feeling panic. I was feeling stress. I was feeling out of body experience. I was feeling. <laughs> I think this sums it up. You know that seen What was that movie? Oh, Goodfellas. Ray Liotta at the end, he's already, he's he looks like shit. He doesn't supposed to do the drop, but the person that was supposed to do the drop of all the cocaine couldn't do it. He gets in his own car, then the helicopter's following him, and everything's going wild. I don't know if you remember that scene, but that's, it was like a, one of those scenes. It's like, I'm paranoid every sound, like you dropped the pencil, I thought it was a bomb. It's like, let's go here, I'm looking out the damn window. I had like four guys in my security team but I have my favorite and where the hell's my favorite and I was switching cars and I thought people were following me and so on and so forth and it was just a it, it was a shit show it was a shit show I can't explain it to you how am I how I am alive I'll never freaking know so I did you know what what, what I guess a lot of people would do is called self-preservation <laughs> and so I basically uh found an ally like you do in every war, right? You find an ally. And so Major League Baseball was that ally.
0: A-Rod was the only player of the 14 implicated in the Biogenesis scandal to refuse to accept suspension. So this dispute led to an arbitration between A-Rod and Major League Baseball. And Tony was asked to testify.
1: It was scary. I had never done anything like this before in my life. Uh, the arbitration had about 40 individuals in it. And so imagine tables that made like a rectangle, long, long Uh rectangle. On one end was the players' union. On the other end were the three arbitrators. One of the sides was was myself and the other one was Alex. And we sat face-to-face, you know, facing each other. Did he
0: say anything to you inside the room or outside the room? Was there any – did he talk to you? Did he do anything?
1: During the arbitration, he would make faces – Uh, funny faces, you know, scary faces in order to get me off my game type of deal. At me. So I was staring, you know, we were staring at each other, basically.
0: When you were in the arbitration, what were you there to say, essentially?
1: Basically, I was there to say that he used performance-enhancing substances. That was the bottom line. And they were there to say that I was lying. Real simple. And so... That was the gist of it. Did you do anything wrong? No. Did you do any PEDs? No. Alex Rodriguez is back in the news and so
0: A-Rod spoke with the DEA back in January. Our news partners at the Miami Herald got a hold of the-
1: About $12,000 worth a month, injecting human growth hormone, HGH, into a- Who won that argument? Uh, We did.
0: The arbiter found that A-Rod had, in fact, used these substances, and he was suspended for the 2014 season. Then Tony did something that he totally regrets today. He sat down for an interview. In this case, with 60 Minutes.
1: You've injected him? Yes. Personally? Personally. With what? With growth hormone, with IGF, with testosterone. That confession is the beginning of, of, of the end. I Meaning the feds got involved. I think the 60 Minutes gave him all the ammunition. And you know, shame on me, but I was in too deep already.
0: Tony says that interview opened him up to a federal investigation by the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Administration. But according to him, what really got him in trouble wasn't his MLB athlete dealings, it was something else.
1: I'll tell you what brought me down. What brought me down was those, the parents and the kids that were, that were coming into the June draft. That's what brought me down. I would have gotten a slap on the wrist if it was just professional athletes. It was a oh, high because school Because when kids. they found
0: out that you were actually giving your subscribers. The high
1: school kids, kids killed me. That's what killed me. I mean, you know, the truth of the matter is the parents have been juicing them, okay, for lack of a better term. And then I came, they came to me so that I could clean them up so they could pass a damn test in the June draft and they could collect their million dollar signing bonus. A lot of the athletes that I, professional athletes I ended up with, that's how they evolved from when they were young to when they were professional. You get it? So that's what I mean. It was part of the process, and it was part of, 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 of the system.
0: As I mentioned earlier, doctors I've spoken to seriously caution against teens using steroids, which can pose serious developmental risks
1: that sports doping scandal, pleading guilty, Tony Bosch ran the Biogenesis Clinic. He surrendered to federal agents on Tuesday, and you may recall he's accused of selling testosterone scary, to professional and high school the people athletes Bosch was connected well. with, They essentially had a network pulling people in, supplying people with drugs, with performance-enhancing drugs. So
0: now t- tell me about the day that you turned yourself in. How was that?
1: Uh, the head of my security picked me up that day at 7 a.m., and we drove to the federal building in Western Florida, where the DA office is at, um, took off my belt, took off my, you know, my shoelaces. And they they said, OK, so this is what's going to happen when we come out, you know, uh, make sure we'll let you know how to walk, when to walk, who to walk with, you know, and because of the cameras.
0: The, the perp walk.
1: The perp walk, the famous perp walk, right? It was so right. funny because they finally uh, <laughs> we had to do it twice. It's almost like we rehearsed first, and so I walked out, but the cameras weren't ready, and I never. Forget, I laughed to myself. The other guy goes, "Oh shit, let's start again. Hold on." And we had to walk back, and <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it, it, was, it was it was it was a shit show, is what it was. And then
0: your court case happened. And what was the what was the sentencing like for you?
1: Terrible. Terrible, terrible. It was surreal.
0: How much time did you think you were going to get?
1: I was hoping for 22, 24 months, something... So you,
0: you got double that. And when you heard four years, what was your reaction? Did you cry?
1: No, I laughed out of nervousness. I cried much later, but I laughed or I chuckled. That pissed him off.
0: Tony was released from prison in 2016. And he since founded a technology company called Bosch Biotech that he says is quite different from his last business. Do you think you'd still be doing what you were doing if you hadn't gotten caught?
1: Yes, absolutely. I don't think I would be dealing with athletes. Um, but believe it or not, although the money was good. They were they 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 were a pain in the ass. Um, uh, you know, it it, it it was too risky. And, and, you know, my lifestyle at that moment was so out of control that I don't think I'd be alive today, um, to be quite honest way, with you, if right. I kept going the way I was right. going.
0: So in a way, you think it saved your life?
1: Absolutely. It did save my life. And, it, you know, and it taught me a lot of things besides saving my life. You know, I, I did learn my lesson. Mm-hmm. Today, yeah, I'm like I, a I Boy think, Scout, yeah. you know? <laughs> I cross T's and dot believe. I's. I
0: find yeah. that hard to believe. <laughs>
1: Well, on the outside, on the outside, on the outside.
0: You were saying that you believed you were doing nothing wrong, but did, I mean, you knew that. Yes, you knew that it was. I knew wrong.
1: That it yes, wasn't you, you're. You're absolutely right. But I thought I was going to get a slap on the wrist, and you know, and and I wasn't that much of a, you know. It, listen, I've always been gray. I've never been black and white. You know, I haven't been. You know, I haven't been a Boy Scout basically. But but. But nonetheless, yeah, OK, fine. You know, and shame on me for, for, for promoting, you know, uh, the, for, for backing up the parents and promoting, uh, you know, drug use uh, to, to underage kids and, and so on and so forth. And for that, I am sorry for all that.
0: Wait, Tony, do you still get calls? Do you still get calls from people who want to do steroids?
1: All the time, all the time, all the time.
0: Next time on the Traffic Podcast with Mariana Van Zeller.
1: I was in the garden, a big garden, it's called Casa del Lago. I had my own lake, which was very quiet, very beautiful, and suddenly you're here. So I knew it was police.
0: I talked counterfeiting with one of the world's most notorious art thieves. I had to find the castle. I had to find the Rembrandts. The castle was just so that you could pretend that you were...
1: Part of the Rembrandt family. Yes, it was a nice little castle just outside of Amsterdam. Oh, my God. It was raining, 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 raining money in Paris. It was unbelievable.
0: Next time on The Traffic Podcast. The Traffic Podcast with Mariana Van Zeller is a companion to the National Geographic TV series Trafficked and is produced for NatGeo by Muck Media. Margaret Catcher is lead producer. Ted Woods is executive producer and audio engineer. Abby Spears is associate producer, and Paula Benson is line producer. Original music by Jeff Morrow. The Traffic TV series is available now on National Geographic and new episodes air Wednesdays. Executive producers for Nat are the awesome Chris Albert, the amazing Bengt Anderson, and the fabulous Matt Renner. And from Muck Media, executive producers Jeff Blunkett, Darren Foster, and me, Mariana Van Zeller. Special thanks to Dana Balut, Todd Herman and Vilma Linares, Dr. Tom O'Connor, and to the man himself, Tony Bosch. And don't forget, if you like this podcast, rave about it to your friends and ask them to subscribe. See you next time in the underground.